e kara e ue mantaku tue tauteka Meiri te au ki te kauri a warawara ki te nikau o totopeka paira Tērā te rere o te manu te kaue mai ngā māhanga tapai Korei pai ki te parafau korei tūkiau Keia puta ki a ora ko ngauri Tērā te tangi o te puta atara he o pe taua te whakaeke mai Ie tā marama tahuna te ahi Keia puta ki a i au i te pauri o te au Tērā te tū o tōku marai hei tohu ora mo te iwi O tira mo te taitoke rau Ati he wā, Māori ora. Kia ora and welcome to another episode of Aotearoa Creative. I'm your host, Shane Milne. And today we have an extremely special guest. Ex-Silver Food Captain, teacher, speaker at so many different functions, corporate events, international functions you name it she's spoken at them she's a pretty awesome mother we talk about it um, <laughs> later on in the interview i'm talking with bernice mene Woo! if i had some claps i would set them off now Poya no. um, i'm talking to her about a variety of things i mean we talk about sport gotta talk about netball because you know she's the ex new zealand netball team captain sort of friends uh, we talk about um, her, her past. Uh, we get pretty into it. It's pretty cool. I was surprised that we got this deep, which was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. However, the reason why I uh, interviewed her, the reason why I guess she agreed to talk to me, is because she is running this awesome program called the Pinnacle Program. Now, what this is, is a youth mentor program with some amazing mentors and the youth get to do some amazing pretty cool stuff i mean i refer to it quite a bit in the interview and i try and just let it know that i'm young enough to be a, a candidate to get into this <laughs> you know, i'm just over 30 it's all right put me in there i'll be fine i can blend all those sorts of things so kick back relax enjoy the interview it's really cool. I learned so much from this. Aotearoa Creative with Bernice Mene. Do it. I guess, um, first and foremost, I mean, I'm talking to Bernice Mene. I mean, you know, ex-Silver Fernie's captain, so I can't talk to you without getting your a few uh, getting your opinion on a few sporting matters um first and foremost netball how do you reckon it's been going and what do you reckon about this new um anz premiership that's coming out next year is that going to be a good thing or not a good thing i think we'll make it a good thing you know i think new zealand does has always done netball really well you know we've always been super strong had our own style and uh, I think it was time to come back to New Zealand. You know, mm-hmm. it was time to make a change. The because um, the, the Australians were kind of piggybacking on uh, our popularity in many ways. And the you know, although the ANZ Championship, the way it was set up with the Trans Tasman setup, playing Australian teams and the New Zealand teams week in week out worked for the viewers and um, but at, at the same time Australia before they got into that competition didn't have the profile in their own you know in their own country mm-hmm. and then they didn't also have the support or backing so they managed to kind of raise it in their country but then they they didn't really want to put in you know it's like yes. someone someone take take and not giving back Having said that, though, um, their new competition, I mean, um, would it be fair to say that the next year's competition coming from the, out of a, like a, was it a knee-jerk reaction sort of a thing where they said they were going to break away, do their own thing with um, primetime television, um, new teams and stuff like that, and we don't want to do it with you. And so New Zealand had to come up with a competition. Is that fair or was this always going to happen? I think it's hard to know what's going on in the background, you know, of all these sort of setups. And I, I've heard since, since all the fallout, that 
Australia have made it seem really weighted in their favour. Yes. Uh, and how it unfolds will yet to, to be told. You know, that's that, true. Um, they've, a few of their restrictions, they've had very little restrictions on the import rule, mm. uh, which is actually affecting, say, the England, most of the England side are down playing in Australia, will be playing in Australia for their competition. Right. Um, we have, it seemed pretty tight, the Netball New Zealand's ruling on um, us not, you know, you either choose to play in their league and you can't play for the Silver Ferns or, but I think it actually sent out a message that we couldn't have everyone uh, immigrate, you know, not immigrating across or going over to the Aussie Aussie League. One thing I did hear um, is that one of the pluses about this splitting up the competition and not playing one another is we'll get to find our own New Zealand sort of style of playing again with the... Um, merged competition it was all sort of mixed and mingled and um you you got to i i I don't know i'm not a hardcore netball player i like playing indoor netball but i don't really know it to the standard that you do so would you say that's a fair comment yeah i think there's probably an element of truth in that you know when you're playing against those australian teams day in day out you seem to want to match them stride for stride and in the old days, back back when uh, when I was playing, there was a real marked difference between the styles. The Australians played a real um, swift running game. The New Zealanders, we had a lot of flair and skill, and uh, you know it was all in the movement and the dodge and the roll, and and quite a different style. You know the, the likes. Even thinking back to the legacy, the days gone by of the Waimarama Tamanus when they yes. were playing, um, Sandra Edge, Rita Fatialofa, you know, they did amazing things in the midcourt. It was it was great to watch. And I think it, I think this will encourage this, you know, it'll encourage some some people to develop their own style and develop their own flair instead of only being measured against the Australians. Because you know, there's some teams overseas that I always loved playing against Jamaica back in the yes, day. And, yes. You know, Jamaicans were aerial and we just had so much fun. There was, you know, so many different intercepts to be had as opposed to an Australian match, you know. So um, playing Australia, playing England. England have really kind of moved into a similar style to Australia. Mm-hmm. But it will be interesting to see, you know, if they would will try and find their own niche. Um, but definitely, I think, it kind of takes that emphasis. It's always the pinnacle to play against Australia. You know, that's always the your highlight. But, you know, second to that, the, playing those Caribbean sides is always a lot of fun as well. And I think we need to kind of share, that, share the love around a bit. Yes, share the love, share the love. Now, um, okay, so that's that. That's the netball side of things. Um, awesome. And oh, 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 I've just, I've just seen my little notes here. Um, what's it like in your household at the moment with um, New Zealand cricket not really doing? What's well, doing all good, but it's not winning like it was in the World Cup. Um, I mean, your Tani is ex what Black Caps captain? I'm sure he was a captain, wasn't he, Dion Nash? Yeah, captain for a few few series. Yeah, yeah. It must be um, tense times uh, every second day when they're playing the one uh, one day matches and all that sort of stuff. We try not to talk sport at home. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a household rule. We don't want that to affect the mood of the house. <laughs> did, this, um, did this rule come naturally, or was it something that you both decided uh, way back in the day or whatever, like, hmm, to make this um, calm and, you know, sort of nice in the, the nice wairu in the household, let's not talk about sport. <laughs> we were um, we we're actually really hopeless at watching sport. So we love playing, obviously, yes. playing sport and doing it. And so we play a lot of backyard cricket matches ourselves. We play quite a bit um, at the park. We live next door to a park and we've got three three kids. So we're always over there, um, you know, just 
with all of our kind of sports equipment rolling it over and we take our lawnmower next door and roll a cricket pitch at the mm. at the local park. That's cool. You're a you're a cool parent. <laughs> Maybe yeah, the, to, to do that in the on the on the council park and mow your own cricket pitch. That's amazing. Um is that kosher? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's commitment, I guess. Um, good on you. Um, Hoyanor, um, we met up, uh, well, we briefly um, had a had a yarn at the Leap Conference up in Auckland um, at the end of this year, 2016, or well, a couple of months ago. A month ago now, was it? Yeah, about a month, And, um... That was that was cool, but I was really surprised that you actually emailed me back, which was um, really quite uh, quite cool. What did you think of that that conference? Um, the, it was for entrepreneurs, it was for business owners, it was for people doing cool and amazing things in their own sort of space. What did you take um, from that conference? And it was a real groundbreaking, like one of a kind. You know, I don't think anyone's tried to do that before. That was, I felt a little bit sheepish that I wasn't in that entrepreneurial space. Um, but quite a few of our Pinnacle students are, and that was why I'd gone along. And and I um, had connected with Robert Hollis. He has been helping mentor one of our students. Right. And I just thought everyone's story was so different. You know, it was great. Everyone had different messages that if you were – in that space or even you didn't have to be in that space it was inspiring just to hear people kind of forging out their own pathways and and career ways and then also that you could see in the foyer in between sessions the collaboration and people you know finding people that could help them web designers people that could market their uh, businesses and yeah I thought it was really cool it was cool the whole um um, put up your hand if you. What are you looking for? The whole little um, quick pictures that you needed to do, and then um, someone stands up and says what they what they're doing or what they're looking to move into, what space, and then all of a sudden, Robert's like, "Okay, so you're into marketing. Put up your hand if you work in marketing. Stand up. Do you see these people? Right, talk and have a lunch with them and at lunchtime or something like that. I thought that was quite cool. It was a, it was quite um, it was a good way to make some context really quickly. <laughs> a really good way and uh, a few of the youth that are in our age group in that 15 to 18 year old age group we met up with um, Rachel who presented there and she has been doing a little business on the side now like, she's a student yeah yes yeah, yes, yes, yes I remember her yeah yeah so she we met up with her afterwards and she's Really lovely, really focused, and um, but it's the, it's kind of the attitude, you know, the attitude that's overriding that nothing's going to stop them achieving what they want to do, or you know, with a with a computer or a laptop, that's all she thought she needed to start a business, yes. and she kind of surprised herself, but she seemed very unflappable. I, I, yeah, she was. It was an interesting. She was an interesting character. I really really liked her determination. Just hearing you talk about her and her attitude on things and her um, perspective on things, that was the type of people that were at the conference. Hey, everyone's got that sort of, I'm going to work hard, I, I believe in this, we're going to go hard, uh, no matter what, we're moving forward, and it's going to work out sort of a thing. I, I got that vibe from everyone I talked to. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Although, although I went home and I was really exhausted because I was like, there is so much buzz energy in the room. <laughs> I'm entrepreneured out. Yes, yes. I, um, I, uh, to be fair, I was the same. Uh, we dropped off a friend. We were meant to go and have some, some drinks with some other friends who were at the conference. And I, I tapped out. I couldn't. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, mate. It was either it was either the energy or it was either the cheap Heineken's at lunchtime. One of the two. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, this leads us into your mahi and the reason why we sort of um, got together. You had, do you run? Did you start this 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 program called the Pinnacle Program? It's a youth mentorship sort of a program. Did you start it? Did you, how did that come about? I didn't start it. So Hyundai New Zealand, the car company, they in two thousand and five had the Pinnacle Program, launched the Pinnacle Program, and it was an elite sports scholarship program. Right. So the likes of of Barbara Kendall, Storm Uru, so the rower Storm Uru. Yes. Uh, there were Rebecca Scarn and her partner, they were rowing as well. They were all in the program. And 
they so Hyundai sponsored them. They put in some, you know, public speaking skills. They got a they got a vehicle. They had some support put around them, and it was supposed to take them from being, you know, in their top ten in the world, but to podium level right. at Worlds or at the Olympics. So that that went for three years. And then they had some really good athletes come out of that. Moss Burmester was a swimmer and Debbie Tanish is a triathlete. And then it just kind of went dormant. And mm. then three years ago, came back to the surface and Howard Spencer, the MD, he was like, hey, let's drop it down a level. Let's really broaden it out. So drop it down to 15 to 18 year olds, broaden it out, not just sport, music, arts, uh, entrepreneurship, business, whatever someone's passionate about, let's get them to put their you know put their hand up, put the application in, and we'll select some that have got this X factor, and put them through Spirit of Adventure, Outward Bound, uh, get some support around them, some mentoring in place, and just kind of give them the skills that they need to go out and be successful in the world. That's cool, man. And then how did you get involved in all of this? Did they approach you? Did um, some job come up? Or how did that go? Yeah, so Debbie Tanner, the triathlete, the Pinnacle graduate, they had got her, she'd just retired, and they asked her to get it running, you know, set it up again. And, and she she approached me to see if I would come on the selection panel. with. So there was myself as, as the sports rep. There was Peter Ehrlich from yes. music. And... Also, we had back then, um, oh, Phlox, Hayley King. She's she's an artist. And Tony Street from Media and Communication. Uh, We had a businessman. And we we started as as the selection panel. So Debbie would shortlist the students and then we would look at the applications. And then as we got into it, Debs did a lot of the hard yards. And then uh, she got pregnant and... And then I, the board approached me because they have an independent board uh, to see if I would do the maternity leave cover, and I'm still there. <laughs> Deb didn't want to come back. She loved being a mum, and she's having more babies. And um, and then yeah, so I stepped into the role. That's cool. That's cool. So this whole uh, mentorship sort of a program you you get um some kid who's doing amazing and then you put them on through all these programs you jack them up with advice what's the um sort of criteria for these rangatahi these youth to get involved in pinnacle can they just be you know can i just be like a a, a passionate about kayaking and think "Mm, i want to apply to pinnacle or do you need to be the best in your sort of region your school or something and that's how you get in I think you will have some achievements, you know, that you can shout out about. Right. But in some in some ways, you know, it, you're not measuring apples with apples. So, like, in the program, we've got some artists they upload because it's all on the website, yes. on pinnacleprogram.co.nz. So it's all they put links to their YouTube videos or uh, they will add – you know, some of their portfolio stuff, their artwork from school. And some of those things are quite subjective, you know. So it's and but then what really helps these, you know, helps with an application is uploading a letter or something that's really personal that we get a, a flavor of the actual person. And it may be something that, that sets them aside like their, you know, all these kids will have some a real element of perseverance, you know, mm. that real that real drive. Like we had at the LEAP conference, it's that real single-mindedness that nothing's going to stop you, nothing's going to kind of keep you down. And, um, and then there will also be, you know, a, a bit of self-reflection maybe, you know. If we've had students apply that are amazing, talented artists but need some help with their self their um being quite introverted and being able to work with other people and and uh, and run an art gallery, you know, run a, an exhibition in an art gallery. So some people know exactly what support they need. Others are really good in lots of areas and need some help deciding which which pathway that they 
gonna go down so yeah. and what's the whole um honga the connection with um spirit of adventure and outward bound um because I, i'm looking on the website now and stuff like that that's everyone's talking about outward bound and spirit of adventure is that just like you need to do this to be on the on this course in this program you need to do one of these sorts of things is it because it puts them out of their comfort zone and they learn a lot about themselves or is there some sort of sponsorship deal going on between the two i don't know what is the honunga there so howard who i mentioned before he did both of those programs as a youth right and for him it was life-changing for him you know he reckons it really made him uh successful it gave him some skills that he would not have found otherwise so spirit of adventure is 10 days and it's a lot you know there's 40 40 students sailing over 10 days together on a boat. Yeah. You have to work as a team. You get given roles as in leadership roles. And, and you, you know, a lot of it is a bit of self-reflection and teamwork and growth. Uh, it can be a little bit scary for some of the students that we select. Very to go, much so. Yeah, to go on spirit, to go on a boat. But there's other people like them, you know, out there. And I think it's that being able to back yourself and push yourself outside your comfort zone. And that's not just with spirit. That's, I've found for me coming through in everything I do, like it's really easy to be comfortable, like, you know, and just sit back and do what you do every day. But <laughs> my big thing was if you want to get better, you got to really get yourself a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit scared. You know, you got to put yourself out outside your comfort zone. And uh, and that's how you make big gains and big improvements. So Spirit does that, and then Outward Bound's three weeks. So what, they do the Spirit of Adventure first, and then they do Outward Bound? So you do Spirit of Adventure at Stage 1, yes. and then the students will apply to come into Stage 2, and Stage 2 they do Outward Bound. And so we fund those programs, and so the student doesn't have to outlay any costs. But what we like to see is progression between those and also um, engagement with the program. And we know these kids are really busy, but you see they mature at different rates. They're not going to be, Shay, in the program, like, you know, it's one year for stage one, one year for stage two, one year for stage three. It's not a linear linear um, progress, progression. It's some of them will zoom through stage one and take ages for stage two. Like, And we work with the students individually, so you get to know them quite personally yeah. and uh, you start to celebrate their successes as well and, and just um, it's it, you do get quite emotionally involved. But... I bet, I bet. I mean, you're, you're putting them through some pretty hardcore things and you're, potentially you could have them from from 15 to 18 so that's three or so years so you i'm sure you get to know them pretty well i mean you're, you're sending them away on these um hardcore excursions you you would hope you would know them a little bit by the end of that yeah and it's about um every every experience in the program is different so uh i we sit down with them one-on-one and we work through some goal setting and then we keep touching base with that goal setting and see how they're going and what support they need. Like some people might need a, to a career counsellor, but some people, they may just need, um, you know, some direction on where to go. We've had a few deciding on whether to do vet nursing, whether to do vet, vet studies. Um, we've got others that are really heavily into but they're environmental champions, you know, and so we tee them up with connections and causes that, that they feel passionate about as well. And um, and also we we connect them with work experience, so some paid work experience, so that, you know, you only know you only know career paths and possibilities of people that you know. And so if people, if Pinnacle can connect these students with um, with people that they don't have those previous connections or, you know, often you're restricted by your parents and your fa- close family yes. friends. Yes. So this is, this is like the benefit of it. It's like helping out. 
Oh my god, man! I'm 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 sure I could pass as an 18 year old and um, like, come and jump on the program because you're right, you're right. You know, um, it is who you know, not what you know, a little bit in, in the world, and and to be able to make those connections and be able to have some other pathways, um, that's gold. Uh, and so, what you you've already sort of answered you um this question. So you stage one is the um. Um, spirit of adventure stage two is outward bound and workshops and stuff like that and then stage three is you actually connecting them with different people that they would like to get into how um is this you that does all this is your team is it is it a big big team that does this is the um selection panel that all works together on this how do you um, figure out. Okay, this guy. Um, I'm I'm a sports person. I'm a teacher or whatever. I have no idea what um a veterinarian does. So how do I link them up here? Do you just go and touch base with them? How does what does that process go? So there's me. I'm the pinnacle program manager, and then I've had various uh, assistants come in and help run the program as well mm-hmm. um, because we've got 55 students in the program now. And, oh, my God. Uh, so resource-wise, but there's a lot of connections uh, through our board. So on our board, we've got Sir Graham Henry. We have um, the GM of Hyundai, Andy Sinclair. We've got Richard Giltrap. Howard Spencer, um, Joe Clayton, she's business, and James Hall, he's marketing. So there's so much expertise in the room and, and you know, connections. And then through our selection panel as well that I mentioned before, um, we've also had Tim from Juicy Rentals come into our selection panel. We've got our, our mates at uh, Field Days. So the head of Field Days is always yes. on our selection panel. So we've got lots of agriculture students. And we, and it's about kind of, and I've done millions of different jobs and vocations in my time. Um, And so, you know, that's one of the things I always say to the students is never underestimate an interaction or, or or just a chance meeting with someone, because if you leave a good impression, you've you've got a connection or a contact for life, you know, you never know when it's going to come round. Um, and I think everything is meant to be for a reason. So you never know when someone will come around again and, and um, is happy to help you because you've helped them. If only, if only this was, um, if only I knew what I know now when I was 15 to 18. Oh my God, this program would be amazing. Um, but I guess you're not working with people like me when I was 15 or 18. You're working with really super amazing people. So that doesn't matter. This is this just sounds cool, man. I, I, like I said, I wish everyone would um, have the opportunity to be able to jump in a, in a program like this. What have you learned from this? I mean, you've been doing it for a while now. This, this must be some huge personal growth in this um, sort of a program, you know, um, seeing the growth in Tamariki but also you and your own journey must be pretty amazing in this. Yeah, I've um, I've found ways of winding in lots of um, lots of previous careers that I've had. So I did some career counselling for a while. I'm a secondary school teacher by by trade. I taught used to teach French, German, and English. I was going to ask you that because um, I saw I was as I was doing a bit of research for this interview. I saw that you used to teach French, German, and English. I was like, what? How did this is a little bit of a side um, quarter, but how did you get into German and French? Well, a bit weird. I grew up in Christchurch, and um, the schools are pretty traditional down there. And so when I got to Villa Maria College, which was my high school, um, we got streamed. And, you know, you sat in the, this is real old school, you sat, sat in the entrance exam, I'm probably giving away my, my age. Um, and and then that you got told what subjects you were going to study. So I got told French and German, like some of them were Latin and French, Latin and German. And, and, um, and so... Just by chance, we had the most amazing language teachers, and I just felt I loved going to French and German classes. Like I just felt it was really relevant, um, and uh, we got to act. You know, we were always we got to eat, we got to act, <laughs> and um, and we got to just speak. And it was it was like I just loved that. That was fun. So I loved maths and I loved languages. And and my mother was a shorthand typing teacher, and I just always always wanted to be a teacher. So quite the linguist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I still love it. 
you know, my dad came out from Samoa when he was 18 mm-hmm. and he thought to to be successful that he should just make us speak English. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, we grew up not knowing any Samoan. We're like, oh, hard. I, I know the deal. My, um, my great grandmother, she came from Samoa, same thing. And she just pretty much, once she got off the boat, it was, she was Pākehā. There was no Samoan, man. It was yeah. straight English. So, um, and so I was very late, like when I moved to Wellington, learning some Samoan. And then when I had my children, um, I sent them along to Mama Jan at, um, at Samoan Preschool and at, at Aonga Mata, and they went into Total Immersion Preschool, which they, they used to say to me, don't worry, Mum, we can understand everything. They're <laughs> so cute. <laughs> um, but Dad was, like, so proud that we had gone back to try and instill some culture and some language to my children and my generation. That's cool. See, initially when I saw that and I, I was buzzed out, I was like, oh my God, um, you know, Silver Fern captain who um, speaks German and French. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is awesome. Um, initially when I first saw that, I thought maybe it was um, some, I don't know, because a lot of Samoans are either, either part Chinese or part German as well. I thought there was some sort of fuckapapa link in there, but no, you took it at school. Yeah, and and loved it. And actually, April Aramea, she April was playing my first Canterbury netball captain mm-hmm. in the Canterbury senior team. And she, I just remember her saying to me, "What do you want to do with your life, Bernie?" And I said, oh, "I want to be a teacher." And she goes, "Don't just be a PE teacher. What do you love?" And I was like, "I love languages." And she said, "Go and do what you love." And then everything else will fall out of that. And so because she had done history, she was a history teacher, and then she got picked up to um, come up and work on in television up in Auckland. And she's just gone from strength to strength up here. But um, it was great kind of role modeling and just some good words. Do what you love. And it's not like you're working ever. See, I asked, um, I asked, we- sort of same sort of corridor um with robert hollis i asked him you know is it is it about just doing what you love and the rest will come he reckons yes but there's two parts to it there's sure there's do what you love but there's the next part is the execution has got to be the main thing it's what did he say at the leap um i think it was um ideas the shit execution is the one or something like that it was something along those lines um is that what you tell all your um, pinnacle program sort of um, students or um, what would you call them? Yeah, students. Is it, is it about following your passion? Is it about finding your passion first? I guess. I mean, they're 15 to 18. Um, God, I only figured out what I wanted to do when I was 26. It was like, it's not something that a 15-year-old sort of might know, uh, majority. Is that part of it? Just finding who you are and what you like to do? Well, I think, like, we've talked about Whakapapa before, and it's about, like, knowing yourself first and being comfortable in your skin and with who you are. And then there's not one right or right way to do things. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people could spend a lot of time just worrying if they're doing the right right thing or worrying that they don't have a passion or they don't have a pathway. Like I remember being quite envious of my friends at school that were like, I want to be a physio or I want to be a doctor. I didn't really know what I wanted to be, but, um, you know, funnily enough, none of them are physios and doctors now. (laughs) But, you know, at the time you're like, some people seem so certain of, of their pathways and actually, um, I think it's about backing yourself and having a go and giving it, like you say, execution, giving it a good go. Mm. And if you if you fail, if you like, kind of don't actually um, pull it off, hey, you've given it a go, so let's go and find something else. There's no dead ends, you know. There's no um, there's no right way to do things. And so I think a lot of it is because people can sit back and watch. And I think my natural my natural personality is to watch and not get out there. So I need to push myself to just, you know, just do shit, just get it done. Mm. And, um, 
And so, yeah, I left teaching so that I could see if I could do something else. And I went, I went and worked for Paralympics New Zealand to run an educational, get an educational website up and running and a speakers speakers system bureau for them i had no idea what i was doing i was just like <laughs> yeah i'll just like fake it and- <laughs> oh my god so you're talking and um we've already gone on one of my life rules of it's who you know not what you know now you've just um said my other life rule that i run by two rules is um who you know not what you know and the other one is fake till you make it i'm not saying then that's um <laughs> that's for everyone but that's one thing that i mean <laughs> Well, Shane, my dad, he always just used to say, if in doubt, just smile. (laughs) I reckon that'll get you a long way on its own. Yes, 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 yes. Smile. Just smile your way through life. It's a good way to go. (laughs) So um, you were saying there's around about, what, 55 students this year, is that? That's around about that? Uh, 55. We take in 20 new students a year, so it's not many. But a lot of our students from all over the country, we're starting to get groupings of, and it's because word of mouth. Yes. Now we've got three students from Tiano, which is a small place, you know, from Fiordland College. I was going to say, where is Tiano? Is is it Fiordlands? Okay. Yeah. And so, and these kids are outstanding with their applications and they all know each other or their families know each other. But, you know, one's a web developer, one's a show jumper, Mm -hmm. and another one, he's an actor slash filmmaker. And I think when you're from a small town, like my husband Dion, he's from Dargaville, he said he just always thought he needed to find his ticket out of there. And so he wanted to find his passion to be able to kind of foot it out in the big world. Mm. And so there's a lot of kids from smaller towns that don't have support systems in place, you know, all the resources like we do in the big cities. And so they're applying for our program for that very reason. That's cool, man. Um, side note, do you go back to Dargaville much? Uh, we do go to Dargaville, yeah. We go quite a bit. We do. We've just been a couple of weeks ago due to go up just before Christmas. Kaiwi Lakes all the way. Uh, it's a good spot. Anyway, um, I was going to ask, so you, you 20 new students um, every year, and you've got 55 now. Are you? Do you see different trends coming through? Number one, number two, um, the makeup of all of these kids. Are they from different socioeconomic sort of area um, bases? Are they um, different cultures, uh, or is it is it all the same? No, quite quite wide and varied. Quite a quite a mix of students from different backgrounds, uh, and so in doing that. You know, we're not just targeting, say, academics or we're not just targeting sports people. So we've had, you know, we've got a boy from Tokoroa, but then the students start to move, obviously, as they get mm. through the program. So the, the the boy from Greymouth, he's now in Auckland because he was a league and a rugby player and uh, um, moved up to, to Auckland to study sports psychology. That transition from school to whatever you're doing after school or even from a small town move into a big big city, those are big transitions that um, we also, you know, put our hand out to support them there and with, with some of that transition stuff. Hard out, hard out. And so 18, you must have some um, university students in there as well, eh? Yeah, so we've just put four, four of our students through to stage three. They presented to our board uh, just recently, and they are 18, 19. Yeah, so, and it's really the, at some stage, these students will go out into the world because they have big dreams. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the program, they can, they can, present to our board for them to, for Hyundai New Zealand to, to fund their dream, basically. It might be, you know, it might be getting a record recorded or it may be going to study at Berkeley University or getting some connections to go over and, you know, work in some aid country or, yeah. That sounds awesome, Kaz. It sounds awesome. Now, um, I know you're terribly busy, so um, I'll, I'll start to wrap it up. Um, where to next um, for the Pinnacle program? I mean, is it changing? Are you looking to bring in more um, 
tamariki more youth every year or are you starting to go in different routes what's what's next for the for the program we are we will keep bringing in new students but we want to keep the program robust so that we are servicing the students that are in the program and so i have to look at always new ways of um resourcing the program and not being kind of like sort of outsourcing to other um, groups that can help us and connecting. Like it's yes. about collaborating and not not doing doubling up on things that other groups are doing. So we connect with other mentoring groups. We connect in with other scholarship programs, and so we're on the same pathways as well. And and. In terms of, like, I mean, it's called the Hyundai um, Pinnacle Program, so obviously you get some, well, I don't know if that's what it's called, but, uh, you know, you're heavily sponsored by them. Is that the only sort of funding that you need? Do they provide it all? Or, or is funding a big issue for you? You as the, you know, as the, uh, what is it, manager of this program, do you need to constantly look for more funding to keep the program going to make it sustainable? No, we, I mean, I'm very lucky that, Hyundai fund uh, the program. It's their community program. We in the last year we've we've had all of the regional dealerships last you know last two to three years we've had them all come on board and supported as well because it is a community thing. These students and their families are all part of small communities or their own community, and we like to connect them with the dealers and and for the dealers to kind of. You know, use them if they if they need these students. We've had the filmmaker in Tiana. He went into Southland and did a, a video, a promotional video for for the dealership down there. So it's about um, them getting, giving them an avenue to connect with the community as well. We also do say um, because we are in the you know Hyundai sponsoring us, funding us. It's the automotive industry, so we started to give the kids defensive driving courses. Yes. Because it was a cost that they were having to outlay and something. We want them to be safe drivers as well. You know, it's, it's that age. Hard. It's really important. So that's something that we're rolling out is really connecting more around those, you know, automotive um, links as well. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, like I said, I'm going to be... Um constantly emailing you to see if there is any way in which a 31 year old can come and be a part of the program um, because it sounds awesome um, and I'll be looking to see if um, you come out with another one but anyway um, final question guys um, I would love to I'd love to just sit here and, and yarn with you for another six hours but I know uh, we both don't have the time final question um, I ask this with everyone and I find that I'm having to explain myself every single time I thought it was a cool question but anyway I'm going to keep going um, there's a term I don't know if you use it if you've heard it in your netball circles or in your mahi circles um, and it's doits um, have you heard that that term that word doits no doits Deutz, you know, obviously by your um, reply, you haven't. <laughs> so here we go. What is that your accent? So it's like, um, you know, I don't know, and and uh, me and my mates and whatever, we see something amazing. We see, um, I don't know, um, the Silver Friends. You you beat Australia by like ten points, and you just want to say something, but you say like Deutz, that's amazing. Or you see um, one of your pinnacle students who has graduated and they deliver an amazing speech and instead of clapping, you just want to say doits, you know? Something that make, that just is, it's an emotional, it's like chur, it's like awesome sort of thing. Things that make Bernice Mini go doits, whether that's in your um, professional life as a pinnacle mentor or in your personal life things that you see in sporting or whatever things that make you go do it council what are they oh uh i had that when the four students presented to the board and i could see that they put their heart and soul into it you know everything into it and i just felt so proud of them i was nervous prior and so proud that the way they they just really nailed their presentations and the board was so into it. Um, that was one of those Deutz moments, you know. And I have it when actually, like, one thing that is really my main driver in everything is family. And so values, so my when I see my family 
and my young family with my husband, like all playing and that's you know playing in the backyard or just having a great time down at the beach. You know, that's one of those moments. It's like really appreciating, mm. um, appreciating family and those values because you never know what's in store for you. And uh, you know that family and friends are very cherished and special. I I was actually waiting for you to say, um, you know, when we mow that strip down the park, um, the um, good cricket pitch, and we mow it, and it's looking beautiful. It's looking amazing. I just want to say, Deutz. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I know when my daughter goes, "Hey, mum, let's have a let's have a cartwheel competition," and then I pulled my hamstring. That was like, <laughs> that was not a Deutz moment. <laughs> it's more of a dodo moment. It's not a Deutz. Uh... <laughs> well, good on you for giving it a go, though. Um, that's that's the main thing. Yeah, I give everything a go. Yes. I'm not be good at it, but I have I do it with great fervor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one more thing. This might take us on a whole nother tangent. I'm sorry. I should have um, just sort of my list of things. You um, are involved in a whole sort of speaking, sort of a circuit, eh? Uh, sort of. Just sort of. Or a motivational speaker, whatever, some conference or whatever, they'll they'll get you along to come and say some amazing things. Eh? That's You do that quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I do do some some uh, public speaking. Yeah, how's that? Is that is that been something that you've always been good at, or has that been something that you've had to work at and you've got better and better and better over time? I was voted hip girl in at my school, and that was probably my first kind of jump into public speaking. Yes. And then that that very same year, I was selected for the Silver Ferns to play against Australia and the media just started kind of knocking on my door and it, everyone expected you, like the New Zealand public just expect you to be able to to speak and to speak eloquently, you know, yes. and be funny and get up and, and deliver a speech. And so I was lucky I had some support around me as well. I had Glenda Hughes, who used to do athletics with my parents. She's in Wellington. And when I moved to Wellington, Glenda helped me with some public speaking and just um, tucked me under her wing. She's, Glenda kind of has mates in lots of places, but she's done lots of different jobs as well and good advice. So I reckon you always got to surround yourself with um, people that push you, but people that are, are good people, you know, good, positive people. And, and then when you're public speaking, my dad is a, a teller of tales, and I think that's from the Samoan yes. side. Yes. Uh, he loves an audience. <laughs> And <laughs> he, so I just, I used to, I love listening to his stories and, and I loved my Samoan grandmother, Mama. She, you know, she would always, she spoke Samoan. I didn't speak any Samoan, but um, we could communicate just by facial expressions and, and hugging and rocking. And, and, um, and I just think, you know, people can, you can get so much through different avenues of communication, um, through telling stories, through everything. And so my whole kind of life in a way has been along those lines. My degrees in linguistics, I studied sociolinguistics. Oh, you are a linguist. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you actually are a linguist. So So language, language and talking, but, um, you know, it's like you're telling stories to your best friend. That's what I always tell them when you're talking to, to a big crowd, you, you have to imagine that they just want to hear what's coming out of your mouth and that, um, there's some little gem. They want to go away with something that they think no one else knows. So that's the trick. Um, I'll, I'll keep this brief. Um, I am see quite a bit, and but um, I'm sure you don't have this problem. But um, I find myself when I'm emceeing, um, I'll go down some path that when I had the thought, um, it would have been funny. It was a great idea. And then you find yourself going, it's like Neo. You should, can I take the red pill or the blue pill? You go down and you're like, oh, 
this is not funny at all. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about here. I wish I had the blue pill or something like that. Does that happen to you or not at all? Because you're quite prepared and you you got it all sussed. No, it does happen to me because then um, you're, it always it's always dependent on your audience yes, as well. Yes. Sometimes you expect them to be one way and they're not, and you can tell if you're not really connecting with them or if they don't find you funny. <laughs> um, and I think. I think as well, my family told me I'm very good at laughing at my own jokes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, that is totally me. Yes. So that's, you know, at least someone's laughing. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is true. Okay, then. Last question, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Key things not to do when public speaking, and then key things to do. I suppose smile would be a good one. Smile is a good one. Always be prepared. And... I think better to be short than too long, I reckon. So Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, just to get the get your message across and people and, and just from the heart, honest and genuine. Yes. But you see, honest and genuine sometimes doesn't go hand in hand with being prepared. I suppose it does. But then from the heart, you just want to be like, ah, I'm, never mind the script. I'm going to go off the cuff here. And that's when you go down those pathways of going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gone off the cuff here. But um, uh, thank you very much um, for taking time out of your schedule, like I said, to, um, to have a yarn with me. Um, it was funny when um, when you emailed me and then I had a look at the Pinnacle program. I was like, nah, we've we got to talk about this. And then... It was funny because you said, it does, but I'm not Māori. Does that matter? I'm like, hey, I'm Māori schmaldi, man. It's all good. <laughs> so, Emiliana thank you very much for coming and um, and having a yarn with me. Hopefully, it all goes well for you. Awesome. Kia ora, Shane. You've got to love it. What an awesome wahine. Awesome mother as well, you know. Playing all the time, mowing the lawn just so you can get that good cricket pitch. Oh, commitment. Bueno, emihi ana ki aakoe. E te tuahine, e te whae, e te ihopu manawa. Now, if you don't know ihopu manawa, now, if you want to find out more about uh, the Pinnacle Program, well, you can go to their website, pinnacleprogram.co.nz. It's all there. How to get involved, how to include someone, whatever you want, it's all there. Pinnacleprogram.co.nz. And while you're online, you might as well go check out our website, alteadorcreative.com. We've got our Facebook page, we're on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Like, share, distribute, tell someone. It's all good, Father. That's me, Shay Mill, Volunteer Creative. Peace out.